morning, everybody. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this morning, um, I don't usually preach um, kind of continuing sermons where, uh, should I say, historically continuing or in the, the Bible necessarily chronologically continuing. <clears throat> it just so happened that when I started preparing this week or asking the Lord what to, he wanted me to preach on, then the, the word that when I, when I got the word, actually I got the title to my sermon before I got the entire sermon, which doesn't usually happen that way. A lot of times it's the other way around. You figure out a title as you're going, but I got this one line and I was like, okay, Lord, so it's kind of going to be a continuation that we don't usually necessarily preach like this. So don't be like, oh, are they going through the Bible week by week? Because that would take a while. Okay. <laughs> we wouldn't get very far uh, before the rapture comes. Uh, anyway, so... I'll give you a little bit of backstory. So remember, you know, Joseph goes down to Egypt. He becomes the Pharaoh, basically, the underneath of the Pharaoh. Uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, are, are that's where they start in Egypt. They end up being in Egypt for about 430 years. While they're there, they prosper. They grow into a huge nation. Um, but then at the same time, they go into slavery. They become slaves to the Egyptians. You've probably heard the story. Moses gets born, gets called by God, goes into Pharaoh, says, hey, let my people go, basically. We need to go worship God. Pharaoh says, no. Then come the ten plagues. Are you with me? You know this story, right? The ten plagues. So then finally Pharaoh says, okay, enough already. You guys, let, let them go. They take all the spoils from Egypt, all the gold, and all 1.8 million of them leave. Okay, it says 600,000 men, if you do the women and children, it was probably about 1.8 million people. So not a small tribe of people leaving, okay? This is a big exodus, as it's called. Then they get to the Red Sea, and now they're stuck, or so they think they are. Because here comes Pharaoh's army trying to kill them. And what does he do? He puts out his rod in the Red Sea parts, and they walk through on dry land. Huge miracle. 1.8 million people going through on dry land with the sea parted on either side. And then the sea collapses on Pharaoh's army when he tries to get through. And they now are in the wilderness. This is where we pick up this, this uh, account. So they're in the wilderness. They've been here for a minute. And uh, now they start complaining. Big surprise. If you've read the Old Testament or especially, you know, Exodus, Genesis, into the story with the Israelites, one thing about them is they are complainers whiners okay I don't know I don't know like maybe you can find yourself in the story I don't know <laughs> because you know what God does so many miracles like they literally just saw the Red Sea part okay they walk through like you saw the ocean on either side of you and then you get to the wilderness and you're freaking out because you don't have food like you know like really don't you think God's gonna provide but anyway let's not get ahead of ourselves because we're not nothing like them are we no we never ever complain Exodus chapter 16 and verse 11. <clears throat> and the Lord said, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat and in the morning you shall be filled with bread and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came up at evening and covered the camp. If you read the story, they actually came and just sat there waiting for them to catch them, right? So much for hunting. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, 
as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. They actually called it manna. Manna means, what is it? <laughs> Imagine that. They're like, what is it? They called it manna. So you're like, what did you eat in the desert? What is it? No, what did you eat when you were in the desert? What is it? No, like for real, like what did you eat? What is it? Come on, who's on third? What's on third? You know? <laughs> They're in the desert. So what they would do with this is they would, they would roll it out like it become like flour and they would make it into little cakes. They would not bake it, they would put it in a pan, whatever, and make it into these little cakes. And that's what they would eat. So it was like a form of bread, but it had a lot... It was different, but it was that kind of thing. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, they're in the desert, and God literally makes bread fall from the sky. And you're worried about food for yourself that God might provide for you when there's a Chick-fil-A on every corner. You know, you don't have to. It's not quite as big of a miracle for God to provide food for you as it was for them. He literally made it fall from the sky. And then what he tells them is he said, listen... You have to gather just what you need for your family each day. Don't gather any more and make sure it's gone by the morning. And, you know, so some people are like, hey, I'm just going to keep a little extra in case I'm hungry, you know, in the, in the midnight hour. And uh, the people that did that, when they woke up in the morning, the bread was full of worms and it stank. Because there was no refrigerators back then, right? And so they learned, okay, we got to get rid of it. This is what you call walking by faith. See, every day they had to allow, believe, trust God that he was going to provide for their needs. And this isn't just like the big needs. This is like their daily need. They need bread to eat. They need this to stay alive. So you have to trust God every day. Is he really going to provide? But what you'll notice with them is that they're in the desert for 40 years. Okay. I don't know how long <clears throat> do you think it was before they realized, oh, I think, I think we're good. I think he's going to provide for us. A month? How long would it be before you would trust God that he would provide for you? If you saw it every day, how long? A month? Six months? A year before you'd be like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to pray. I think we're good. He's going to take care of me. Right? Because that is what a father does. A father takes care of your daily needs. And a lot of Christians, what they do is they come to God and they beg Him for their daily needs. They think it should be an expectation. If you're a, a parent or if you've been a kid, you have to be one of the two, <clears throat> then you can find yourself in the story. You go to your parents, you know, a kid goes to the parent when they're hungry. Excuse me. <clears throat> a kid goes to their parent when they're hungry and they say, can I please have a sandwich? The kid is being polite with their question, but there's a level of expectancy when they ask. They're actually not expecting a no. It's not the same as when the kid is in the store and they're like, mom, can I have that toy? Can I have that video game? Can I please beg? And they go into begging. They go into full negotiation with you. You know, they go into the full, I was good yesterday mode. You know, don't you see what I've done? My grades, right? And that's where we get confused with God. 
When it comes to your daily needs, you don't need to negotiate. You don't need to come begging. You don't need to come with your list of, look how good I've been, God. No, it's your daily needs. There should be an expectation within you that God is going to supply. I'm just asking because it's the polite thing to do. I'm just coming with a heart of gratitude. God, thank you again for taking care of all my needs. I know you always take care of, I know you take care of my gas money and my car and my putting food on my table, Lord, and my rent is paid. Thank you again for all of that because you do it every month and I just want to thank you for it. See that? That's, that's the ultimate faith is because I'm just out of a heart of gratitude because he's my dad. He's going to take care of me, right? Just the same as you would with your kid. So you're operating out of a heart of gratitude. What you see <clears throat> in the story is that they also had to, they were not allowed to work on the Sabbath. God created a Sabbath day in order for them to rest and to honor him. And they weren't allowed to do anything on this day. I mean, he took the Sabbath seriously. So seriously, in fact, that he said, there won't even be any manna on the floor on that day. There'll be no manna when you walk out of your tent. So I want you to get twice as much the day before you're going to cook it, make it into a cake, and I will preserve it for that day. When they woke up on the Sabbath, guess what? There was no worms and no stink in the cakes. So another miracle. God wanted to them to rest so much so he wouldn't provide for them on the day. What? God wanted them to rest so much so. He wouldn't even provide their daily needs on the day. But he would preserve their work. He would preserve what they had done so that they did have what they needed on the day. He just preserved it. So another miracle. Rest is important to God. You know, and I know sometimes people are like, oh, I want to spend more time with my family. I'd like to go on vacation. And so you pray and you ask God, God, I need an increase in my business. I need an increase in my sales. I need an increase. I need a promotion. I need these things, Lord, so that I can spend more time with my family, take some rest time. So God brings the increase. But then, now we think we got to work harder. Now we got to work more to keep all the extra work we've given ourselves. Right? Now suddenly we're like, oh, I can't go to church on Sunday because i got to work more. Now I've got the promotion, so I've got more people underneath me. Now I've got to work more. And so guess what? You neglect the time with the family, and you neglect the rest time, the reason that you asked for the increase in the first place. <clears throat> the mistake you make is thinking that you were responsible for the increase in the first place. Scripture is clear that God brings the increase. Rest and spending quality time with your family are at utmost importance to God. You see it all the way back here. He's trying to set up practical living advice for us. We don't look at it as a law, but we can take practical principles from it and see this is how God expects us to be. He expects us to take this time and rest. And, you know, if you, if you ask God for that and then you go ahead and work through that time, he'll just, you know, he can just reduce it back down to a place where you have less work. <clears throat> I always remember this story that my, my dad used to tell. And if you've been to Bible college, you would have heard it. In South Africa, there was a gentleman. Um, 
I can say his name because I believe he's also passed away, Mike, and he had a, a business and he came down front for prayer one day. This was in our church in South Africa. And he came down for prayer one day and he, he asked that, uh, he asked, he said, would you pray over my business that it would, you know, increase because we're struggling. And so my dad said, are you tithing and giving? He said, yes. He said, okay, no problem. And he began to pray. One year from that time, his business was flourishing so much so that when he went to write his tithe check, his tithe check was the same amount as he used to earn. Okay? So like 10 times. And he comes back down to the prayer line, and my dad says, what can I pray for you? <clears throat> and he says, I'm just really struggling. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Go away. Um, he says, I'm just really struggling because I'm, I'm having a hard time writing this tithe check. It's the amount I used to earn. He said, can you pray for me? Help me. My dad says, yeah, no problem. He says, Father God, reduce his income back to where he can tithe and feel comfortable. And he went, stop, stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, get, stop that prayer. You know? And he suddenly realized what he was doing. He was like, oh, never mind. Okay, I, I, I'll be comfortable. I'll be comfortable. Don't reduce it back, right? <clears throat> so it's, it's learning to, to honor God with what he gives us in the increase. And for 40 years in the desert, you see they eat manna every day for 40 years. They finally get to the promised land. And let's pick up what happens in the promised land. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 5 and verse 11. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 11. It would help if I had the glasses on. I was like, wow, the anointing is strong. It's blurring the words. Okay, so here they are. They're at the promised land. And they, uh, and they ate of the produce of the land on the day of the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain, and on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna. The title of my sermon is called, Manna is Off the Menu. See, when God does a new thing in our lives, it's almost always comes with change and transition. Almost always. And now the Israelites have to adjust to a new way that God is providing for them. Now they're eating from the land of Canaan. There's no more manna anymore. Now they're going to be farming. They'll be growing things. They're going to be eating the goodness of the land. It's a whole new way that they have to trust that God is providing for them. And see, God is not locked into one method of doing something. But we, most of the time, we like our routine. We like things to stay the same. If you're a person of routine, raise your hand, right? See, some of us, we just love it. We like our routine. We like things to stay the same. We have our favorite restaurants we go to. And when they take our favorite sushi roll off the menu, we get irritated. <laughs> just Drea and I. We like the certain menus to stay the same, right? We like things to stay the same, the same way of doing things. But God is not like that. Because you see, a good example of it is Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus heals so many people, and almost all the stories, he heals them a different way. Because he's trying to show you, look, I'm not locked into any method or strategy. Just because you've experienced God in a certain way, 
oh, well, I like it. When that one song played and I was on my knees and I was like this, that's when I had that encounter with God. So I need to have that song playing on my knees, then I'll have that encounter with God again. And sometimes God is gracious enough to do it again. But sometimes he's saying, no, I want you to come up higher. I want you to experience me in a different way. And the same thing happens with people when you're used to God providing for you in a certain way, leading you in a certain way. Well, this is the, it's always come this way. I've always had this client. It's always been this way. Then suddenly God is changing things up because you're in a new season. You're in a new place. And so he changes it up. So you're like, wait, what's happening? He does this so that you don't get dependent on the method that you stay dependent on him. Because we are a people that is prone to self-reliance. I mean, I like a person who's independent and can take control of their life, you know, not childish. But, but the thing is, there's, a, there's an issue that we have when we become too self-reliant. Because God wants to be part of our lives, but the most important part of our life. And I, I, I know that men probably have the hardest time with this because men are the providers. Guess what? God made you that way. He put that in you, that sense of, I need to provide for my family. I need, to, I, need to, I need to work. I need to take charge. I need to do all this. He put that in you. Now, the dance comes when you have to learn to walk with the Lord in that. Okay, God, what does this look like? How, what does it look like for you to lead me in my business? What does it look like to, you, to lead me in making these decisions? And how, what does it look like to lead in leading my family? It's letting go of that control to work with the Lord. I am also a very, very independent person, very self-reliant. I'm, I like, I'm a planner. I like to plan things out. And when it comes to the ministry, when it comes to working with God, he doesn't always tell me as much as I would like. You know, I'm the, I remember a few weeks ago or a month ago, whatever, we were up in Big Bear and uh, just taking a few days break. And I already had my, my sermon prepared for that Sunday. And I was out walking the dog in the beautiful forest, whatever, and I or the street that looks like a forest me in a forest no. I was like wait what I don't want to be caught lying on camera you know I'm walking the dog on the street by the forest and I say to the I said to the Lord well, I already have this week's sermon so why don't you give me next week's now so I can start thinking about it and, and planning for it and I and I heard silence I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, so you're not going to give it to me. No. I'll give it to you next week. Oh. I'm like, why not now? Because then you won't ask me next week. Uh -huh. I was like, ooh, okay, I got you. Because I am. He knows me. I'm the kind of person that's like, what, can you give me the sermons for like the next two months? Because I like to plan them out. I like to think about them. I like to have time. I'm a planner, okay? But see, God is not a boss. That's what a boss would do. A boss would give you your outline for the next two months and go, go, go do it, right? God is, not, God is not a boss. He wants to be your father. He wants to be your partner. He wants to be in relationship that you're going to sit each week and go, okay, what is it this week, Lord? What am I supposed to do this week with you, God? What does it look like tomorrow, today? Some of you, if you're like me, you just give it all to me, God. <laughs> but he's not a boss. He's a father. And this is what the Israelites, when you look at the story, the, the wilderness for the Israelites was never the destination. God was clear when they left Egypt, I've got a promised land for you, 
right? I've got this place where we're going for you. But after 40 years in the desert, what happened is they got comfortable. They got used to the menu. Even though it was miraculously provided for them, it was still just the bare necessities of life that God was providing. This was not God's best. It was still miraculously provided, but it was just their basic needs. What happens is a lot of times we get used to, we get comfortable in the wilderness. We get comfortable with what God has provided for us, no matter how miraculously it came. But it's just the basic necessities of what you need. It's not yet God's best for you. It's not all he has for you. The resources that God gives you in the wilderness, it's for the growing. It's for the process. It's for the waiting. It's for the, he's going to provide because he's God. He's always going to take care of you. But it's not going to be enough for the promised land that he's called you to. When he gets you to the promised land, he needs something more that's going to need to sustain you. What sustains you there won't sustain you in the promised land. Because in the wilderness, all they had to do was camp out every day. They didn't have a lot going on. But in the promised land, they're going to have to take territory. They're going to have to fight. They have a plan when they get to the promised land. Manna wasn't going to cut it anymore. The same is true for you. God has an assignment for you. And as you move into the new season, as you move into the promised land, what the way he did it in the past is not going to work now. Whatever God used in your past, whether it was to teach you, to train you, to help you, to grow you, guess what? That was part of your journey, but there's going to come a time where God is going to take it off the menu. Because your reliance and your dependence became on that thing. And God needs your reliance and your dependence constantly on you. Now you could think and be like, well, that sounds like he's very controlling. I'm just, I'm just doing the comments for social media. I'm just reading them to you, what they will be. Um, nobody in here would think that. But just, you know. Um, but if you understand why God does something, then it will help you. The reason why is because what God's calling you to do here is so much greater. It's so much more important for his kingdom. But if you can't trust him with the way he provided here, you ha he shakes things up so that you can learn to always trust him with what's coming here. He can't have you when you're here going, oh, the manna, I, the manna will sustain me because it's not going to sustain you. The projects he's called you to, the, one, the dreams he's called you to, everything that he's called you to here, that will not work. He needs you to say, he needs to know that you're 100%, hey God, I've, I'm only dependent on you. However you're providing for me this time, I, I, I'm with you. You've got me, I trust you 100%. Because the other thing that comes with the promised land is the giants. When they got there, there was giants in the land. And there was no way they could fight and win combat. So God gives them the, 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 the coolest strategy. He says, walk around the place every day for six days. On the seventh day, walk around it seven times. Blow the horns, whatever, the trumpets, and the walls are going to come down and crash and kill the giants. I love God. <laughs> like, who says reading the Bible is boring? It's like movies can't come up with this stuff, you know? 
So they do it, it, kill, it kills them and it crushes the giants. Because they listen to God. There's a strategy. But you know, when the same thing happens in our lives. When we get to the promised land, oftentimes you're still going to have to deal with giants before you can occupy and enjoy. But somehow we think that there shouldn't be any giants. If this is where God's promised me to be, why is, this, why is there these, all these obstacles? Why are there all these issues? If this was the marriage I'm supposed to be in, why is it so hard? If this is the job I'm supposed to have, the promotion I'm supposed to have, why does everybody hate me? Because usually when you get the promotion, now there's more people underneath you to hate you. So that's just the way it works. <laughs> Sorry, that's my, 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 my mind running, making jokes ahead of where I'm supposed to be. Back to paying attention. <clears throat> Giants don't mean you missed it. Giants are there so that God will get the glory. Everybody knew around Canaan, everybody knew about the giants. Nobody inhabited that land because of the giants. So when the Israelites took the area, which today is now Israel, by the way, when they take the area, the news spreads far and wide that the little Israelites killed the giants. Suddenly, they all believe that they've got a God and He is alive and well. And the same thing is true in your life. When you defeat and conquer the giants and the issues in your life, it's for the people around you watching. It's for the unbeliever who's saying, wow, maybe everything they said about their prayers really did work. It's for the people sitting around going, well, they said they were going by the leading of the Holy Spirit. I guess the Holy Spirit is real. It's so that God gets the glory. Because sometimes we can say all we want to say to people, but they need to see something happen. They need to see a miracle. They need to see you overcome. They need to see that wow miracle in your life. And this is all going to happen as we learn to lean on to God, learn to follow Him more. And the Israelites, they learned to follow God in the wilderness. I mean, it wasn't as clear later on. They had a, they had a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And the way it worked is if the cloud moved, they packed up their tents and moved. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. I mean, it was a bit vague, God's direction, because secretly God was waiting 40 years for them to die, a generation to die off, okay? So basically, he took them around the same mountain for like 40 years, okay? So obviously, he couldn't give them a lot of plans because he was like, um, yeah, go right, go right again, go, go right again, go right. Aren't we back? just go right you know <laughs> so it's not like he he had much to tell them right but when they get to the promised land now he speaks clearly his instructions are clear his plan is clear and he says take territory and subdue and I'm going to show you how to do it because now they're walking in the place and the calling that God had for them all along they're finally where God needed them They've gone through everything to get to the place where God wants them. God has taken you through a wilderness season. He's done the growing. He's done the teaching. He's done the helping. He gets you to the place where he really wants you, whether it's your business, your marriage, your life, whatever it is. And he's saying now, do you, you, you trust me? I, you, I've taken away what you, what you, the way you looked at your provision before, but you're going to trust me with your provision now. The same way when it comes to hearing God and following his lead. 
the issue I see is that our world, we have so many choices. I mean, there's choices for everything. And, you, and you, you think that's a problem. It's a problem because you can get distracted from what God's calling you to do because there's so many choices. I mean, there's, you have so many, we have access to, to so many different kinds of jobs. So if somebody says, well, I, I, I don't really like this job. I'll just quit and I'll find another one tomorrow. Because you have that freedom here in America, right? There's so many access and choices to restaurants and food and hobbies and churches, right? Well, I, I, they have a good band there on that, on that church that Sunday. Or that guest speaker is speaking there on that Sunday, so we'll go there. So you, you're not actually following the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're following the leading of your surroundings or your friends or just the options that you've got. But just because something is available to you doesn't mean it's what God wants for you. You have to be mindful when you're being led by the Holy Spirit and not your choices. You have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and not open doors or close doors. Just because a door isn't locked doesn't mean it's yours to walk through. I can go up to a men's restroom and just because the door isn't locked doesn't mean I'm going to walk through it. No, I'm not going to walk through it. Under no circumstances am I going to walk through it. It's not locked, but it's not my door. You have to learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in everything. Just because there is an option in front of you, just because you can move to Florida, just because you can switch churches, just because you can raise your kids in a different school, because you can doesn't mean you should. The most important thing you have to learn is the leading of the Holy Spirit, learning to follow God. Because as you lean on Him, He wants to take you to the greater things, the greater impact. His kingdom is all about who are you going to impact. What is Every single person has a plan that God wants them to do. Not, not one person sitting in here, God doesn't have somebody that you're supposed to impact for His kingdom. You have reach that I don't have. You have reach that the person next to you doesn't have. Not one single person is without a plan from before you were born on who you would impact for his kingdom. It could be the kids that you're teaching in your, in your school. It could be your grandkids that you're, that you're reaching out to. It could be the neighbor that God moved you dire directly in so that you could reach that neighbor. Because you don't know that neighbor who, who they're supposed to impact. But with every step we get, every new season, there is a new way for us to lean on God and trust him. When he takes something off the menu the way he used to provide, oh, but he's always provided that stream of income. That client has been with me for years. I don't know what I'm going to do now. There's the shakeup. Okay, God, you've obviously got something better because the promised land was a lot better than the wilderness. The produce, the land that it produced was so much better than the manna that they ever had. So when something falls away, when something gets taken off the menu, don't yearn for it, long for it, wonder. Go, okay, God, there's obviously something greater that I'm supposed to step into. There's a greater provision. There's a greater understanding. There's a greater revelation that you've got for me. You know, my dad, um, Apostle Henry, you all know how, how close we were, how important our relationship was. We were, but uh, other than mentor, dad, father, pastor, he was also my partner in the ministry. 
we ran the ministry together. And, um, but if I'm honest, he was also my safety net. Because if there was ever a week, hey, Dad, I'm not feeling so good this week, he'll preach. Hey, Dad, I'm not sure if I should do this with the Bible college. Should I bring this guest speaker in? We could discuss. He would, he would yes, 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 I got it. If there, ever, if there was ever an issue, guess what? The buck stopped with him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He was my, my safety net. And when he, was, when he went to be with the Lord, you know, I, I remember saying this to the Lord. I said, God, it's just you and me now in my very frightened voice. And I felt like he said to me, finally. To get to that place where you say, God, I don't want to be dependent on anybody else. I don't want to be looking in the past or how you did it, who you used, that income, that person, that relationship. Lord, I'm okay if you take them off the menu. Because I want to walk in everything you've got for me. I want to step into the promised land, holding only your hand. Walking with only you, God. Because if I can have your eyes, your vision, your heart, then Lord, we will do exceedingly abundantly all that I can think, ask, or imagine. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross for your sins. He died on the cross so you and God could be one. 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 Which means you're not alone and you're not going to boss God. He is right there with you. Every heart's desire that you have, God is putting it in there for his kingdom, for his purpose. It's learning to look at ourselves and go, okay, God, wow, I'm not even going to look at the old me. I'm not going to look at the wilderness tent camping me. I'm going to look at the promised land me, the one that can defeat the giants, the one that can own the land, the one that can conquer and subdue for your kingdom. Because the promised land is the season, the new season that you're in with the Lord. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. I just want you to talk to the Lord in your own heart. You know, whatever part of this message that spoke to you, God is wanting to lead you closer than you've ever been before. He wants to walk with you closer than you've ever been before. That means being okay if certain things are taken off the menu. That means okay if that job you got let go from if that stream of income didn't come in like you planned, if that person moved away that you were so close to, whatever it is, if you're ready to walk 100% with the Lord, then tell them in your heart, God, take it off the menu. Take it off the menu. If there's anybody, anything that I'm holding on to that's in your place in my life, God, take it off the menu. Take it. Because I want to trust you, God. I want to walk with you, Lord. I know that you're my provider. 
tell the Lord, I know you're my provider. You're my deliverer. You're my resource. You're my father. You're my great help in time of need. And then I want you to say some positive things right here. And this is because sometimes you have to tell your brain and your mind that you've spoken to so negatively. Some of you speak to yourself so negatively, you don't even need the devil. You do a bang up job by yourself. So I want you to say some positive things right now because you're saying them to tell your brain, your heart, your soul, the truth. Say, I am a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I am victorious in Jesus' name. I will succeed. I will do everything God's called me to do. I will be able to love without bitterness. I will forgive. I will walk with the Lord. I do hear His voice. And I am a child of the Most High. And I will fulfill everything God's called me to do. In Jesus' name. Now clap for Jesus. Come on, put some praise on your lips right there. I'm going to have my ministry team come forward for me, if you would. Our ministry team is down front. If you need prayer for anything, if you want to get your life right with the Lord, come down and speak to somebody. If you need prayer for healing or finances or whatever it might be, you just want somebody to stand with you, come down front. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, they'll pray for you as well. Just make your way down front as we dismiss the service. Guys, thank you for coming out. I love you, but Jesus loves you more. Amen. Have a great day.